You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Thursday, 23 February, our interest bill now tops 1 billion rand a day. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from remote studios in Cape Town. On the show today, chatting with Robin Malkabele from Perpetua. I want to touch on that Standard Bank update, a strong update, a base effect. But banks generally, is there value there? Does the budget change anything in that? Bidcorp results, strong numbers there, margins improving. Headline earnings up just over 45%. And then Martin Ackerman uh, from Citadel uh, reviewing the budget, which had nothing for savers. It, was, it seemed a bit of a flat budget, and certainly I think there are risks out there. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from MoneyWeb. Escon CEO Andre Dureta leaves with immediate effect following a special board meeting. He was supposed to leave end of March. He is gone. Business day. Solar industry takes a dim view of the size of tax breaks for households. The SA Photovoltaic Industrial Association says solar panel incentive is limited and does not provide any benefit for most households. You can claim back 25% on panels only capped at 15,000. Morning markets, the US was mixed, the S&P down 0.2%, NASDAQ was up, but only 0.05%. Uh, Asia's red, Sydney's down 0.4%, Tokyo is closed for Emperor's Day. Commodities, mostly red, gold, 1,837. Brent, 80.96. Platinum is the green, 959. Palladium, 1,493. Rand, 1,820. Bitcoin, 24,500. Tencent is trading up 1% in the Hong Kong lunch break. And top 40 opening call, 180 points to the green. That is a quarter of a percent. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting now with uh, Lonwabo Nkabela. He's, of course, Perpetua Investment Managers. Lonwabo, appreciate the early morning. The, the, the Standard Bank trading update yesterday, I, I thought a really good-looking update. I mean, of course, there is base effect. This is the 2022 financial year. Uh, the co- corresponding year was uh, 21, and we were deep still in, in, in pandemic. But the market liked it. I mean, uh, generally, our, our, our banks broadly seem to be, seem to be looking cheap. Hi, uh, yes, and uh, good morning, Simon. Yeah, yeah, it was a strong number from Standard Bank. I mean, you know, earnings up some 30, 35% and running about 10% ahead of um, consensus. So it's around um, 20 rands, 20 rands a share. And you'd also remember, like, absolutely probably had to take a provision related to that Ghanaian um, debt. Mm-hmm. Um, they call it a restructure, but it's a default. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, so that also would have had an impact on earnings. I mean, I'd, I was trying to kind of work out where the Delta probably came from. I'd, I'd say I wouldn't be surprised if Liberty had a strong last quarter um, with where financial markets, um, mm-hmm. with the rallying financial markets. Um, I mean, Liberty used to be like a $4 billion earnings business that got whittled away during COVID plus the weak financial markets. So, probably some return there and and maybe i'd say a second one is cib has generally tended to surprise to the upside um it would have also been the case with volatile markets they tend they tend to do well um in, in that business 
Um, but I mean, I'd say, yeah, banks generally, banks are screening cheap. I mean, uh, I guess I w- I w- the one thing I would say that is that the whole South African market screens cheap. Um, so, you know, so yeah. that's, that's probably not enough of a reason. But, you know, you, you are at, at the point of the cycle where um, you start seeing bad debts increase. Um, our banks did take heavy provisions during COVID, which are you know, which they have been whittle, not whittled down, but they have been decreasing, you know, but they are still well provided um, from where they were pre-COVID, you know, so maybe the credit cycle won't be as bad, um, but certainly you are, you are at the point of the cycle where that, that could be an, um, an, an upward surprise. And then the other issues, you know, uh, so things, for example, you, you know, um, earnings that come from Africa, um, and then mm-hmm. especially where exchange rates are fixed, you know, so the earnings that we see today might not actually be the real earnings once the currency devaluations come through, um, you know. So that's a, a maybe another um, possible um, he, um, headwind, and um, and then to to some degree, one doesn't know, you know, how much how many more surprises there are. You know, from some of the African countries like Ghana, default, and you know, is there some contagion p- potential there? Um, oh, and and lastly, yeah. And I take your point. I mean, banks, as you say, screamingly cheap, but in a market that is also quite uh, screamingly uh, uh, cheap. Uh, and, and of course, I mean, I'd actually forgotten about their potential exposure to, to Ghana, which, as you point out, was actually a classic default. We'll leave it there. Uh, Robert Makabele, Perpetua Investment Managers, appreciate the time. And that's our question today on our Twitter and LinkedIn poll. Are, are you seeing value in, in, in local banks? Certainly, I, th- I think they're cheap. I've got the, the Satrix Finney ETF, Lonrobo's says yep uh, certainly cheap albeit in a market that is cheap uh, have your vote have your say linkedin and twitter hear that nothing your money can do more when it blocks out the noise as hard as it is these days when you invest in the standard balanced cautious fund we manage the risks so that you can see stable inflation beating returns through market cycles Invest with more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting now with uh, Bernard Burson. He's a Bitcorp CEO. Results for six months ending December. Revenue up 28.1%. Headline earnings per share up 45.5% uh, and an interim cash dividend of four rand 40 per share. Bernard, I appreciate the time this morning. You, you, you make the point in, in, in your results that, that uh, uh, demand has actually got back to, to pre-pandemic level. Uh, broadly, folks are out there and uh, eating out uh, out of the house a, a whole lot more than perhaps many had thought. Uh, morning, Simon. Yeah, that's correct. We're seeing very strong demand out there in in all geographies and uh, people seem to have got back to their old habits and add a little bit more. So we're very positive about the about the trend we do see in the market of people eating out. You, you, you mentioned as it, the demand is there. Have you, have you seen sort of changing patterns in, in, in terms of, of, of customers? And I'm thinking particularly maybe South Africa where, where of course, you've got the, 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 the load shedding, which is you know, either stage four, which is bad, or stage six, which is debilitating. Yeah, it's very difficult to predict across or or detect across the full portfolio as to what the trends are. But in South Africa, 
you know, there's almost a theory that says maybe eating out is being better at the moment because people know if they go eat out, they'd at least get a hot meal um, because they're in a shopping centre with a generator or a restaurant that has standby power or whatever, um, or gas or something. So mm-hmm. we, we accept enough, so that's a business, I think very strong demand almost across the board. In, in terms of, of growth, I mean, I mentioned there, revenue is up 28%, headline earnings just over 45% uh, higher. Uh, good growth in, in, in margins in, in, in the business. Is that something that is that is uh, sustainable or perhaps even something that perhaps you could even uh, pick up a bit on the margins? Um, look, the margins are at, at, at probably at almost optimal levels. I never want to say they're at optimal levels, but we think it's a, they're more or less correct. There are some pockets where there could be improvement. We are cycling, the six-month period is cycling through some COVID-impacted results in year before. So we, we're not really comparing apples with apples. And, you know, there, there are some things that aren't really totally comparable. Mm. Um, so as we've, as we've alluded to, we don't expect the growth rate of that, of, of 28% to continue as we start cycling through through non-COVID-impacted months. But we're still seeing very strong growth out there. Um, as at the end of last week, the growth in January, February, maintained the momentum uh, across all geographies. So we really aren't seeing any any dramatic slowdown in the way customers are spending. Okay, now that's important. I was, I was going to ask about that. What we've had seven weeks now since since the, the the period end, still maintaining. Have you been picking up market share? Again, going through the numbers, um, it, it, I mean, I don't know directly your competitors, and you obviously you operate in a number of different uh, geographies. But is your sense that you've gained market share? Look, our sense is that we have gained market share, but we've got no way of proving it. So I think we'd be a little bit arrogant if we if we <laughs> sure. definitively said we're picking up market share. But it's unlikely that all the growth is purely organic market growth. Uh, I, I just don't believe that in the markets we operate that they're all growing at that at that rate. And our best estimate on the on the twenty five percent real currency, yeah, you know, constant currency turnover increase is it's roughly sixty percent inflation, forty percent. Um, volume growth, which means there's a 10% growth, which is a big number. Um, so so we do attribute uh, some of that growth to the fact that our teams are doing a great job and are picking up some market share. Yeah, you mentioned inflation. I mean, obviously, we all know about uh, food inflation, uh, broadly inflation, but obviously food inflation as well. You obviously managed to to pass that on to uh, to your customers. Uh, are you seeing inflation sort of starting to 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 maybe come down a bit in the food space, or is it still uh, uh, quite 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 large? And again, I mean, I appreciate it's different geographies, but certainly my understanding is that broadly we've seen food inflation globally. But uh, the, the trend absolutely is that the rate of inflation is decreasing. We've, we've passed the peak and it's starting to come down. And, and certain commodities are coming down very, very quickly, like cooking oil, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably 50% of the price it was 11 months ago after the Ukraine war. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, that, that's come off very quickly. But across the full basket, we're still seeing inflation, but it is at lower rates than, his, than for the past year. I don't think we're going to get into a deflationary environment, but we hopefully are going to get into a more a more acceptable, moderated level of inflation. And and supply chains, that was one of the, the, the oddities, perhaps, of, of the pandemic. Actually, maybe and the oddity was that it persisted longer than many expected. Has supply chains returned back to, 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 to being well-oiled machines? They are far better than they were. They're not back to that slick just-in-time situation that mm-hmm. existed pre-COVID. But they're, all, they're a lot better than they were a year or two years ago. 
They're relatively reliable. Shipping rates have come down dramatically. In fact, they're below COVID levels now um, to ship a container around from most destinations. So we are seeing it unwind relatively quickly and normality come back into it. Um, and that will bring down inflation as well. Uh, and I think we're getting, I, my, my feeling is we're going to get into a more normalized trading period for the next, for the next while. Yeah, I, I take the point. I, that, 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 exactly that. We're returning back to normal. We'll leave that there, uh, Bernard Bilson. Uh, Bidcorp CEO, appreciate the early morning. If seagulls were harder dars who could afford to retire to the coast, what kind of bird would you be? Would you soar over the savannah or chase summer around the globe? You see, even when you stop working, your money won't. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting now with uh, Martin Ackerman, Chief Economist and Advisory Partner at Citadel. Martin, appreciate the early morning time. Uh, budget yesterday, I mean, on, on the surface, it, it, it looked like a, a, I mean, probably a little bit of a boring budget, but a perfectly good budget. But then when I was sitting back post-budget, sort of reflecting on it, digging a bit deeper, I realized what's largely completely missing is, is growth incentives, ideas on how we're going to, to grow an economy that is, frankly, going practically nowhere. Morning, Simon. Yes, I think you're 100% right. And um, the crew is obviously also in the low growth assumptions that's in the budget. Uh, we can talk about it later on, but uh, despite that, it's actually still quite optimistic. But you're 100% right. I think the budget didn't surprise um, we expected some information on, on the ESCOM restructuring, um, something about solar incentives. So all of those were in the budget. Um, so it actually just created some certainty that now we know at least, you know, what is the plan around that. And that mm. is also why the RAND actually uh, behaved a little bit better during the speech. Uh, so uh, a focus on, call it the immediate issues that need to be resolved. Um, and that, like you said, is actually not uh, thinking about what can we do to get growth going. No indication really in terms of uh, any speed up in infrastructure development or, in fact, you know, addressing the other issues, uh, something like Transnet. You know, Transnet uh, wasn't mentioned once in the speech. Yeah. Um, although in the actual full document, there's a massive graph showing how rail uh, capacity has been declining over the last decade. And on the other side of the coin, uh, trucking uh, in SA has been growing significantly. Um, so obviously that is a problem, but in the budget we didn't hear about anything how they're going to address that to actually make it more efficient to do business in the economy. Yeah, uh, bailouts for SAA, another billion, post office another two point four billion. But I mean, the, yeah, as you say, the, the real issue there is Transnet. I mean, that's what what matters. You mentioned the optimism, and the, and that was the other point that really came to me. Uh, the National Treasury GDP forecast is is markedly more optimistic than the Reserve Bank, um, and 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 uh, a budget for for annual uh, salary increases of of three point three percent in with an election just over a year ago. Uh, to me, those are are, are two things that can go horribly wrong and and that really sort of derails the budget yes uh, you know everything's based on the gdp assumption 
So those are numbers now. Right now it looks like you know we get we can live with that. And even if they take over some of ESCOM debt, we're not blowing the debt budget, uh, so to speak. Um, but that uh, assumes that we are going to get the growth that they've penciled in. Now the reality is that, like you've mentioned, those numbers are already significantly higher from what the Reserve Bank communicated earlier this year. And one would think that, you know, those teams are talking to each other and nothing really changed in terms of the local economic environment. So I think there's a lot of downside risk to that economic outlook, and that is going to put a lot of pressure on the fiscal framework. Um, you know, Treasury decided to go for the baseline, if you can call it that, the, the, mm-hmm. the conviction view, um, where they assume that all these uh, restructuring that's happening with ESCOM and the selling incentives will actually get us on a, a slightly higher growth path, but that's that's a risk. You know, if that doesn't happen and um, ESCOM don't deliver in the next three years, and unfortunately, you know, one that's one thing to help them in terms of the debt, um, but that is now linked to the performance over the next three years, and the track record, as we know, is actually not that great. So there is a risk that ESCOM won't perform over the next three years. They will then still be in for paying back that loan to government. And then that growth assumption was way too optimistic. So I think we need to be aware of those risks in terms of the outlook over the next three years. Yeah, and, and the ESCOM debt. I mean, in in many senses, it, it yeah, even if it's not explicitly guaranteed, there's been an implic- you know, a sense that that the government would would backstop it. The, the number that jumped out to me, and I mentioned it uh, right at the top of the show. I mean, our, our, our interest bill has now topped uh, a billion rand a day, and that's just a, a psychological number, but it's still a frankly an eye popping psychological number, even as debt to GDP remains remains, I think, manageable in, in the seventies. Again, of course, subject. To, to the assumptions working out. Yeah, yeah, no, so, so I think I think we're well aware of the I call it the dead wolf. We know out of the witch yet, so the wolf is still uh, you know somewhere in the background. Um, things are looking slightly better compared to two, three years ago we missing the way warned us of that big spiral. Um, but we're not out of the witch yet. And the big thing is actually not about the debt level but that interest payment. And you know you can look at uh, various metrics I think uh, for the public like you said, a billion uh, servicing mm. costs per day. Um, I saw they had another graph in, in the pack where they compared that to 100 rand. So uh, five years ago, for every 100 rand of uh, interest we've paid, at least we had 180 rand. So call it almost double uh, to invest in something like education. Now today, mm. if we look at that same metric uh, for 100 rand uh, that we pay on interest, you know, it's only about 112 rand that goes to, to education. So you see how it eats into the important other categories that you actually need to spend money on. Back to your question earlier on about growth incentives. Well, the reality is if you've got too much debt and you need to pay a, a lot of interest, there's just not enough cents left on the table to actually support any growth uh, initiative. Yeah, and of course, a, a lot of that 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 is is, is going to 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 to, to uh, the public sector wage bills. We'll leave it there. Uh, it's Martin Ackerman, chief economist and advisory partner at Citadel. Appreciate the early morning. 
That's it for today. Uh, this time yesterday was, of course, ahead of budget, and we asked you what you were expecting from the budget, your expectations. 60% of you said, look, it is going to be uh, tough. And and I, I think it was less tougher than perhaps we thought, but it's, it's certainly, as we were chatting with Martin there, I didn't see where the growth was going to come from. A quarter of you were saying, hey, some tax breaks would be nice. We did get increases in the tax brackets to adjust for inflation. The rest of you were saying, solar credit, please. We did get that. Uh, and then retirement changes, nope, we did not get anything for savers and investors absolutely nothing uh, have your vote have your say twitter and linkedin the show is brought to you by stanlib visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists stanlib asset management is an authorized financial services provider we're live every weekday morning the money web website in the app 6 30 a.m podcast just after seven Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobuchle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. Have we done enough to avoid grey listing? You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.